Welcome to Spotlight On, your Griffith College alumni podcast. We are delighted to welcome uh, Joanne Fox, who studied a postgraduate diploma in journalism and public relations with Griffith College, graduating in 2005. Today's podcast will shine a spotlight on Joanne's academic and career achievements to date. Joanne currently works as Director of US Development for CMRF Kremlin, a charity specializing in children's medical and research. CMRF Kremlin, uh, together with donors and partners, fund initiatives, research equipment and projects with three main aims, saving young lives, supporting small victories and creating brighter days. Uh, CMRF Kremlin provide vital funding for CHI Kremlin and the National Children's Research Centre, achieving outstanding results uh, with some of the uh, some of their achievements today uh, as follows. So they've uh, renovated a ward at St. John's. Uh, there's a complementary therapy services that are through the Julian Wren Cancer Support Initiative uh, and the Teen Den at St. Michael's Ward, just to name a few. You can read so much more uh, at cmrf.org. So I would like to welcome our guest today. So welcome, Johan. Thank you for uh, sharing your your afternoon with us today. Uh, Thank and, you very uh, much, Alex. Welcome to the podcast. I know this has been uh, kind of a, a long one uh, for us to, to get across the line. We, we started chatting in January, so it's now uh, the end of August, so it's, it's taken a long time <laughs> for yeah. us to get together. Um, so I guess my, my first question would be, uh, could you just tell me a little bit more about your current role? It sounds like a very interesting role to be in uh, and what kind of the day-to-day -day is. Yeah, so uh, thank you very much. Um, the, if you actually look at my LinkedIn uh, profile account, it, it, it talks about being a facilitator of donor passions and interests. And, you know, you've mentioned the organization that I work with. And because of uh, COVID, so many things have, have changed. Uh, essentially, I work with uh, those people that want to do something for the sick children um, that we have in Ireland uh, at the hospital in Crumlin. Um, through the COVID period, um, we're actually now going through a merger. So um, when we were originally scheduled to have this uh, chat back at the start of the year, I worked at one organization. And now, because of the merger that's happening between the foundation, uh, Children's Medical and Research Foundation and Temple Street, um, we are working now towards the Children's Health Foundation, um, which will be a rebrand that will be going out to all our donors and supporters uh, between now and Christmas. In terms of my own role, um, I've actually, I've been with pretty much as I finished my term in Griffith College, uh, I joined uh, the team and the foundation and um, I've worked across all areas of fundraising development. Um, now my day-to-day -day role is the responsibility for the portfolio in the United States. So essentially connecting the donors that we have um, in the US that wish to give support directly um, or through the event programs. Um, that we have um, mostly on the east coast of, the, of you know, New York, Boston uh, and down in Florida. We do stretch across a little bit to the west coast and the challenge now is um, how do we improve upon that in the future. Very interesting. Uh, firstly, touching on, uh, on what you've just mentioned there, the, the donations coming from the United States, it's, it's not something that I would have you know, initially sprung to mind for me. Um, that link between donations from the US and to, to a charity in Ireland, is that, is that a very strong link that's, that's going there? It's been, so you, you can actually, I suppose you can answer that question in, in, in two ways. Um, one, um, we were very fortunate um, after the foundation in, in Ireland was set up in the, uh, the 60s, um, one of our chief executives uh, in that period um, approached a number of Irish Americans in the US and a foundation was formed on the US side. So it's a, it's a full 
uh, tradable 501c3 US not-for-profit that we have in the United States. And while it was Irish American driven, we've had a lot of Americans that are fascinated, you know, they have a connection with Ireland themselves and they want to give back in a, in a different way. And what's happened probably in the last 10, 15 years of the organization, we've had new blood uh, come in both to the board of directors that we have in New York, but also through the event programs. And, um, you know, we, we, we've, we've moved into the territory of gala events and we created a, a young a junior board uh, for the organization. So we effectively have about 40 people who um, four or five times a year will meet and look at what they can do to advance the, uh, the mission and vision for the organization back in Ireland. It's become more of a challenge. Um, the challenge that we certainly have now, um, whereas when it was just Irish American donors, you know, they were very, you know, they knew about the children's hospitals in Ireland and they knew uh, the great work that was being done now, as we, as we move into different types of conversations, it's about what impact are you having on a global scale? So the research that you're doing in Dublin, how is that maybe connected with your Sloan Ketterings uh, in New York, you know, Boston Children's Hospital, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia? And that is, it's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity. Um, so people want to give, you know, Irish people all around the world are incredibly generous. So for us, um, the, the legal framework was there to embark upon this, uh, I suppose, this challenge to raise money from the international diaspora. Um, now, and again, you know, COVID seems to be a, a conversation that we have through every uh, call or meeting. It's now that challenge of where do we bring it uh, and where do we bring it from here? Very interesting and a very, very succinct answer. So thank you very much for, for answering that question for me. So uh, I suppose the, the next natural question that I would have had um, is, is kind of the challenges within the sector, uh, within children's healthcare, and why there is this need to, to raise money for funding uh, and for, for hospital care. Yeah, so for, for us, we, we've always um, spoken about what we do as, you know, as being the you know, the, the margins of excellence, like, you know, what is it that the, the you know, the 250,000 children that now go through um, Temple Street um, Hospital, Crumlin Hospital, you know, the, the, you know what do they need? Um, that, that's the extra that, that they should get. In any given year, um, the, the foundation would raise, you know, collectively now about 18 million euro. Um, you know, it's a challenging environment. Um, you know, you look at, you know, the, the generosity of donors in any given year. There's so many causes. There's, you know, whether that be, you know, homelessness, whether it be, you know, the local church. Um, and again, you know, for us, it, it's children and it's the National Children's Hospitals. There's always a gap that has to be met, whether that's a capital build um, for, you know, you know, a new cancer ward, as, as you've mentioned, you know, whether it be the children's parties that happen at Christmas. That all costs money that, you know, just isn't there from a governmental perspective. And for us, as we look at the landscape over the next three to four years, the new children's hospital um, will be built. And um, we are part of that conversation. And, um, you know, it's scheduled to open up in 2023. And our conversation right now is what role uh, do we play uh, in that on a research side, but also in partnership then um, with Children's Health Ireland on the hospital side to give every child, you know, everything that they need. And, you know, our, our tagline is that, you know, every sick child deserves every chance. So for us now, the next sort of six months is determining what that is and what the next three to four years are actually going to look like. Thank you very much. Um, you know, 
very very valued work that, that is definitely needed uh, and you know you can you can definitely see the benefit to, to children's lives through through some of the stories on the website that I was uh, I was flicking through just before our conversation uh, today so um, I guess the next one would be uh, how you how you decide which projects to fund and, and how you kind of allocate that money between projects where on, on your side of things uh, as a charity sure um, it's you know what it's it, it's quite straightforward in many regards that it's all about the need um, but in from a as it was from a governance and a frame, framework and um, perspectives we have a variety of uh, committees and um, that would meet both from our board we're an independent body um, when it comes to us say in comparison with the children's hospital itself um, and also in relation to the the, the research center so the, the the needs are outlined at the end of every year um, and they are prioritized and they're presented then to a series of committees um, that exist between our own board, uh, various staff and team members, and then various experts uh, in the field. So it's a very transparent, it's a very clear process. Um, and a lot of that, you know, those processes as we move now forward into a different, um, I suppose, three and four year strategic plan, they'll become very much more transparent now for the general public as well. In that at the start of every year, you know, from January, you know, we will have prioritized the needs of the various stakeholders that we have, whether that be, you know, a new ward in the current hospitals, because for us over the next three to four years, until the new children's hospital opens up at St. James's, our priority is still on the various hospitals at Crumlin and Temple Street for their own needs. But that's prioritized, it's laid out. And then for us, it's about communication with the donors. And again, like, you know, you, you look at the not-for-profit sector and it is all about transparency, it's about impact. But as you mentioned yourself, Alex, you look on the website, it's about real stories. Um, it's about real people uh, as well, too. You know, there's, there's been children um, through COVID um, who have attended the Children's Hospital. Maybe they had a, a, you know, a heart valve replaced in the Children's uh, Heart Centre. But they're the very kids now. You know, there was one child uh, during COVID. You know, he raised over €8,000 by learning to ride a bike and then getting out. And he set himself the task of, you know, accumulating 100 kilometres. Uh, over the period of two weeks, you know, along with his parents and his family as well, too. But this was somebody that had benefited, um, you know, from the hospital and the funds that had been raised. And it's now a story that we use to inspire others. And we've had, you know, because of, you know, the, the challenges uh, in this crisis, you know, people have had to come up with different ways of doing things. But I think if you communicate the need that's been signed off and agreed, you know, you know for the next two or three years, along with those case studies, they can then inspire a whole new cohort of people, which is ultimately what we're trying to do. Because again, you're in competition with, you know, with everybody, uh, you know, across the country, not just not-for-profits, but, you know, where do people spend their money uh, in COVID or otherwise? Very true. And, and you know, very uh, heartwarming story that you've, uh, you've, just, you've just mentioned there as well. So um, the next one that, that I'd li like to ask would be uh, your, your kind of current projects and maybe how things have had to pivot due to COVID uh, and, and how things... Uh, are kind of going to be looking in the next sort of six months. Yeah, it's it's. Do you know what? It's it's a great um, it's a great question because I, I think you could probably pretty much ask anybody in business. Um, you know what life was like back in February and uh, what life is like now. Um, for us, um, February this year was actually in, in incredibly uh, incredibly rewarding. Um, we had our largest ever gala in New York. Um, you know, with over three hundred and fifty guests. I returned home, we had our largest gala in Dublin um, with over 600 guests. Uh, and then pretty much a week later, um, everything changed. Um, so for us, 
from a fundraising perspective, um, the plans that we had for this year were to raise in excess of 18 million euro. Um, that, you know, we're, we're, we're projecting maybe about a 40, 45% drop by year end. Again, we're, it's a little bit unknown um, before we move into the Christmas period. Um, so naturally, certain projects have had to be affected. You know, what we did initially was go straight back to the stakeholders in the hospital and the, the research centre and look at what the next six to 18 months looked like in terms of the funding commitments that we had. Um, certain things were postponed, certain things were deferred. And I think the challenge is going to be more so into, as we move into 2021 now, um, you know, the impact, we, we do plan ahead. So in terms of us, as we, as we raise funds, it's generally for a, a six to 18 month period. So we're now looking at the funding commitments for 2021 and 2022, just to understand the impact that COVID has had. And I think a lot of that will probably come to light uh, towards the end of, uh, of this year. But what it has allowed us to do is um, because of that merger that's happening and the new children's hospital coming down the tracks, we've pretty much reverted to um, a full strategic review across everything um, that we're doing. Um, you know, so from a, a fundraising perspective, you know, we put on freeze this year all new hires and we had uh, 10 key positions that had been identified uh, for the growth required uh, for next year. They've all been deferred now until 2021. Um, but as part of the strategic review that we're going through, we've stood back to understand what organization we need to have. And um, because, you know, through the conversations for about that future, we know that we need to increase our fundraising by probably another 30 to 35% on top of what we ordinarily would have done this year to meet the future needs in 2022 and, uh, and beyond. And, um, you know, in the period of COVID, we've also implemented um, a full IT uh, infrastructure overhaul that was meant to take 12 months and it was done in 12 weeks. Um, so it's amazing when priorities change, the pivoting that, that has to be done. And I think not that we're in a new norm now, but I think we have a little bit more clarity on what the rest of this year might look like. It's now about planning of 2021 and what does the future pivoting look like? Agreed, I definitely agree. It's, um, uh, it's the same in, in a lot of different industries and a lot of the people that I've spoken to um, on this podcast and you know in the in the third level sector as well there's lots of pivoting and what can we do and, and new projects but it has given as you mentioned time to bring things forward that maybe we're on the long finger that we could um, we could implement quite quickly that while we had the time so yeah it, it has been a challenging time but also a time for reflection um so the the next kind of section i'd like to go on um you'll be pleased to know is, is more about yourself uh and <laughs> uh and and uh, your study at griffith college so there's uh there's only three questions that i've got so you'll be, you'll be pleased to know that as well so i guess the first yeah. one is um you did study with griffith college and, and you studied um a postgraduate diploma in in journalism and public relations uh, just the first thing is is why did you decide to study this course what was the the drive behind that and and why we were interested in that sector sure well it, it, it's funny that the first thing that i that i should say is that my uh, my initial qualification uh, was actually nothing to do with media and communications at all um, i'm a qualified software engineer um, and i worked at that time for one of the largest insurance firms um, in the center of dublin and you know we were if, if people can remember back to the time of the uh, the ssia um saving policies that the government of ireland had introduced i would have worked with their insurance firm a lot on the technology behind that um but really for me um it just i, I didn't have a passion um and then as the or, as the organization that i worked for 
they were offering incentives to go and study and that could um, your interests and uh, your base of knowledge. Um, I happened to come across um, Griffith College online and attended one of the open evenings. Now, I, I will say it was nothing related uh, to what I was doing at the time, but having met some of the lectures on that open evening, um, it kind of inspired me in a, in a different way that I always had a, had a passion for reading and you know, writing when I was, when I was younger. Um, and I kind of thought I fell into the, the world of software engineering I just really wasn't where the passion was. And I kind of thought to myself, you know what, there's an opportunity here, even if it is on a part-time study basis. Griffith College, you know, the, 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 the setup, very different campus 15 years ago than it is now, no student accommodation um, or any of the, the great facilities that you have. I thought, you know what, this could possibly work. And, and, and thankfully, you know, um, the, the organization I worked for, um, we were able to come to an arrangement where I would do the postgrad course um, over the couple of years and, you know, see where it brought me. Um, and ultimately where it brought me was out of the organization uh, at that time. But um, that was kind of the, the, the first thing. It was the open evening. It was the people I met. And then, you know, that was the, the next three years kind of were, uh, were written for me. Very true. Everyone that I, I tend to speak to um, that, that has come through Griffith and, and is a graduate and uh, an alumni of the college is, is very much kind of drawn in by that that personal touch that Griffith has. And, and it's something that is, is one of our key kind of metrics that we, we measure ourselves on and we, we like to keep as, as at the forefront. It's something that we find very important and that, that one-to-one -one kind of uh, personal touch um, is, is very, very key to the college. So I guess, um, what was your experience whilst you were studying on, on the course at Griffith College? You mentioned that you were doing it part-time and you, you had work at the same time. So obviously lots of things to juggle. Um, at one stage in, in your career. So how, how did you find the studying Griffith part-time and, and you know, the lectures and, and so forth? Yeah, listen, I, I think it was, I probably had a different experience over the, over the three years. Year one, you know, full of enthusiasm. I remember it was three nights a week. Um, and it, it, it kind of, you know, that enthusiasm carries you through um, so far, but it was something completely different than I was do, doing during the day. And I, I think, um, I, looking back now, I'd have loved to attend it as a full-time um, student because, like, you know, the three nights, you know, you immerse yourself in it, you know, as maybe three, three and a half hours uh, each of the evenings. I always remember it was always during Champions League nights. Like, you know, so there was always something going on that you would rather be doing. So there was always a commitment. At that time, a lot of reading required. You know, we're doing things like, you know, media law and ethics that, that took, you know, a lot to get your head around uh, as well, too. So I, I think for me, the experience, um, it was that one-to-one -one nature um, I really enjoyed. And there was a great collaboration both between the part-time and the full-time students. And I, I think the, the, the big thing that connected the two years for me, I got very much involved with um, the Griffith College radio uh, at the time and, and Griffith FM. And for us, that was an incredibly professional environment that you were able to throw yourself into. Um, and for us, you know, the group and class that we had, you know, were, were, were great and we were, you know, very enthusiastic about it and we were able to you know, put, put ourselves forward for the Student Media Awards. And again, whether it was current affairs, whether it was sport, film, there was an avenue for you. And I think that that thinking that, it, that Griffith inspired um, in that you, you had a day to day, you know, every, you, had, you knew, knew when your classes were, you knew what you had to work at but there was always an option there to pursue your passions. And then through the additional work that we did, you know, the guest lecturers, um, you know, with Vincent Brown and on a couple of classes. And again, 
you know, somebody that was kind of new to media. Um, it was just a different way of, you know, thinking, you know, we all joined uh, the NUJ at the, at the time, like, you know, and it gave you a sense of confidence that, you know, you, that impacted upon you on a day to day. Um, but again, the, the work over the two and a half years I was there has really now stood with me um, to today. Well, thank you very much. I think you, um, you answered the third question in there, so that's, that's fine. You've got <laughs> with two, um, even quicker for you. Uh, I guess uh, we're kind of drawing towards a close. Um, there's, there's two sections uh, of, of the podcast left. left. So uh, one of the new sections I brought in is kind of just a, a kind of a, more of a, a COVID kind of check-in with, with our guests and, and how your current day-to-day has changed with, with COVID uh, to begin with. I know everyone's has, I know mine has, um, in terms of working from home and just kind of how that, that has, has impacted yourself. Yeah, like um, I mentioned the, like the organization that I'm working with now, you know, we're going through a merger. Um, COVID has, has, we've had to pivot and, you know, bring forward, you know, some of those elements. You know, we're now talking about the return to work uh, protocols. Um, it has now inspired a conversation about our actual, you know, agile working and, and, and what does COVID now mean for the future of what we do? Um, you know, our office has gone through a little bit of a, a refurb while we've been out because this is, when we go back to the office, this is actually going to be the first time, you know, post that merger conversation from the start of the year that everybody's going to be in the one office uh, together. So there's been a bit of a day-to-day um, on that, um, that we have a, a regular check-in kind of on a, on a weekly basis. Um, from a, a COVID standpoint, um, and like, you know, we touched upon it at the start, like, you know, if you break it down, my day-to-day, um, you know, on an annualized basis is working with, you know, donors in the United States and that wish to give, you know, and the, the success that we have is face to face. There's no travel um, happening right now. And we've had to completely pivot our communications plan and strategy um, for a cohort of about 70 donors that we're trying to bring on a certain journey, um, you know, with us. It's resulted in a lot of video calls, you know, such as this, Alex. Um, and I think, you know, you've had to improve your own skill set um, in terms of how you communicate and how you listen to people. And actually, it's a, it's a weird thing. My li- I, I think I've really improved my listening uh, over the period of COVID as well, too, because, you know, you mentioned about, you know, kind of if you're in a, in a, in a room and you can kind of feed upon an individual's body language, it can be very different over video calls. You're looking for different signals. That's certainly been um, an improvement. And I suppose the final thing that COVID has done, I've actually gone back now, um, you know, kind of the, if, if Griffith College was the, uh, the, the postgrad, I've now gone back to pursue a master's. Um, in strategy uh, and innovation um, through uh, COVID. So I'm about to go into my second module, which is being delivered, um, you know, in an online space. And I think um, it's, I think what COVID has done, it's, it's allowed people to kind of, you know, understand where they, where they want to be maybe in six to 18 months time and what is their day-to-day, um, you know, what do they want that to look like uh, regardless what it looks like now. Uh, excellent answer and yeah you, you're completely right it was almost kind of um the pause button was hit and, and you had that full reflection uh, i know the first kind of few weeks i i hit my reading list very hard and uh, I, <laughs> I couldn't get through enough books um thankfully that's slowed down slightly now um otherwise my partner would have killed me um <laughs> and then finally the final section some quick fire questions we ask all of our guests these questions so um the first one is going to be the best piece of advice you've ever received. That's a good question. Um, I, I, I think advice is all about how people change, you know, and what you do with it. For me, um, you know, the best piece of advice I, I was given is, you know, focus on the people that you meet 
and you know the books that you read because they're the two things that's going to change you very true uh the next uh, question is what advice would you give to uh, recent graduates entering the job market oh um i can i can the the easy the easy answer to that is uh, to be yourself and i i know people say that but the the having gone through a lot of interviews over the last couple of years with people that were looking to hire i think the more people that can be authentic um, and bring themselves to an interview whether it be a cover letter whatever that might be and just be that little bit different because you know and you know don't don't hate me for this but like the world has enough accountants you know right now you, you need people particularly in the in the covid world who are going to think that little bit differently and just challenge more um, and because ultimately you know everything that we're doing right now whether you're in big business in a college and a not-for-profit there's a huge amount of challenges on the table i do think the more people that can look at them from different angles and bring a little bit different something a little bit different to the table will be the ones that will you know gain the most success and then uh finally how would you describe griffith college in three words this is the one that always stumps the guests uh, three words is not a lot uh, so over to you uh, well, the, the, the first one, I, th I think I've mentioned it, um, collaborative. Um, definitely the collaborations that were formed um, between the classes, between the college and the students, the, the lecturers, guest lecturers, you know, they've stood the test of time, you know, and they've opened up doors, you know, long after you've been in the college. So definitely collaborative, first of all. Um, stimulating in the sense that everything that was presented and put in front of you on a class front, you can pick and choose from it but it, it stimulated some thought in you that would bring you in again another um, direction. And I think the last thing, like whether it's a, a word, it's, it's one I, I always stand over in something that Griffith has done for me is that it's formed by personality. So personality forming in some way, because again, the people that I met through that time and the thinking, you know, I, I didn't go to Griffith until I was kind of, you know, mid to late twenties. Um, and again, you kind of, at that point, you, you think you know what you're gonna do for the rest of your life. You know, Griffith changed me, it changed my personality, and it ultimately changed the path that I was on uh, as well too. So that's kind of the three um, that I'll, uh, I'll give to you, Alex. Fantastic, thank you very much um, for, for coming on and being a guest, and very, very interesting. Hope the, uh, the listeners have, have enjoyed our conversation, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll check out the, the rest of the series. The, there's gonna be some more podcasts going through, and uh, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much, Alex. Thank you. Bye.